0: If you' join me this morning in the scripture reading, it's First Corinthians chapter 12, verses four and verses seven through 11. and you will find that in your Pew hymnal or Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along on page 174 in the New Testament. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses.
1: We have been walking for a few weeks on a series on being the church in the 21st century, about all the new challenges and opportunities that we face as the church today. And you might recognize this passage as being really close to some other passages we've talked about. We actually started our series a few verses earlier about uh, no matter what you do, no matter what service or activities, we all have the same Lord. And we started with the church is called to call Christ our Lord of our lives. And that we, even though we live in a culture that wants to kind of do whatever we want, what is it to be a community connected around Uh, our God as King. And so we we went from that, because the next verses were the verses we read today, but we skipped over that to the next section about who belongs. Because I didn't want you to get the sense that you only belong just because you have something you do for us. But no matter what, everybody belongs, whether you're an ear or a foot or a hand, uh, you are a part of the body of Christ that's needed and is essential And so today we we go back and we look at this text that was just read and we ask, what is it we are called to do? How are we supposed to um, be active as the church together? And I wanna start off by talking about a problem that we have and it stems, I think, apart from our culture. We are raised from little tiny age to be really good consumers, not the energy company, uh, but to buy Things. That's your value in life, is to make money to buy stuff. So think about how many ads a kid in today's world would see in their lifetime. You know, whether on the TV or on their phone or uh, in physical spaces, on printouts. Uh, we have a consumer mentality. And it might be best kind of encapsulated with the Burger King old motto, have it your way. You want to be able to get what you want and the way you want it, and I deserve that. And I got my purchase power. And there's two sides of a coin of the same problem that we face as churches, of being consumers, and that's, you know, if you're looking for a church, and people call that church shopping, and you're looking for what church feeds me the way I want to be fed, and you're looking for each place, and you're looking at, okay, well, you know, I like, I like this little aspect, Ooh, the space looks really nice. Or, ooh, I like this music. Or, ooh, I like that message. And you're finding the right little mix of things that I want. And so we're looking for all the things that we want. And then suddenly something doesn't look the way we want. We disappear and we find another one. Start the process over again. And I know for Beth and I, we've had an enjoyable journey of as we've moved across the country in different places. We've had to start that process over of what is it to move to a new state and have to look for a church. And you never know, especially in a Baptist context, you never know what you're going to walk into. And so we've walked where we were walking into the building and then we got flagged down of, oh, actually, it's an outdoor service today on this occasion. And, and like, oh, okay, I think I trust this person in the, down, down the street. Uh, you know, we've had people that, you know, it was a service of 20 or 30 people and, and they say, okay, now, if you're a guest with a stand, like, you know I'm a guest. <laughs> you know everybody in this space. You don't need me to stand to let you know I'm a guest. Uh, introduce yourself. I'm sure you love that if you're an introvert. Uh, we've, we've had spaces where people are apologetic because their pastor isn't there, and they're like, well, sorry, normally he welcomes you, and, but the pastor's like, But you gotta sign this guest book, you know? Sign the guest book. Uh, we've accidentally walked out of the building with hymnals, all sorts of fun experiences. But that culture is, is definitely built a little bit in that consumer thing, and it's a new problem because before cars, you're pretty limited to the churches right near you. Now that we have our cars, we can go wherever we want to go, and so that decision process gets bigger and, long, and takes more time and has more intricacy to it. But it's not just people looking for churches that have that consumer challenge of, wait, is it just about me or is it something, am I supposed to be a part of something bigger than me? Because we can get into that even as longtime church members of a place where you get lured into the, the country club model, model. I paid my dues, whether that's in time and money, therefore I get my thing. I want it my way. I've been here. So both the new person showing up and the person who's been there forever are both looking at each other saying, I want it my way. And that's a very American culture thing to do. We are just consumers. I want my thing. So unless I get my thing, I'm going to stomp my feet, walk out. But that's not what the church is called to. That's not what, what we are called to do and to be. And so, how do we actually be spiritual contributors instead of consumers? Where we think about what we have to offer, what, what we can serve, how we can contribute to the common good, not just what can I take out of this? Because I'm sure you've heard people say, well, I just wasn't fed there. That consuming mentality. We have a lot of churches filled with people who are overfed on their theology but who never actually do anything with it. Never get out the door to live being the church out in the world in their daily lives. And so into the midst of this, uh, I really want to focus on that first verse that we read. Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I don't know how much we always believe him, to each, because we like to say, well, that's the gifted person. Maybe I can ignore these people. Is there anything God's actually doing in their lives? Is there anything I can learn from them? But we like to kind of elevate some people and act like God only is speaking in a certain spot. But to each? And uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've seen that kind of division, that kind of separation of some people being elevated and others mistreated, particularly in our service uh, environments, like like uh, restaurants, any sort of service industry, or hotels, or you know, where anyone who is supposed to serve somebody, and they don't always get treated very well, do they? Uh, You've heard someone at the table next to you maybe uh, talk bad to their waiter or their waitress, or someone who just disregards someone and acts like they're just less than. And so how do we actually treat every single person like they're, they're, they're possible people that are speaking uh, God's truth and wisdom, that God might be moving in them, that they might have gifts to offer. And I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, I heard a story of someone who was just really uh, kind of startled by uh, an experience about everybody having gifts and everyone deserving dignity. And what it was, was there was a person that works for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, and he's trying to help create a culture at this hotel company that even the people that are cleaning your room, that that job has dignity, and it's honorable, and that the guests who come in and we treat like they're royalty, that they also have dignity, should be treated well, that everyone is to be treated well. And they came up with the slogan, the motto, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. That we're not less than serving you. We are all deserving of respect and we're all working together, and we want to treat each other like we are all deserving honor and dignity. But we have a hard time just with that first part, that each person might actually have the spirit at work in their life. And then Paul goes on to talk about to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Manifestation's a big fancy word for it's visible. You can see it, touch it, feel it. It's, it's made visible in the world. And I think about those great images of the Spirit inspiring people, whether that's Genesis 2 of the human being breathed into, or the the language in John 20 that's meant to very much echo that, of Jesus breathing into the disciples, the Spirit, that the Spirit of God is alive and moving in people around you. It's not just in you, uh, to each person. And how do we manifest that Spirit? How do we make it visible and show it we talk about our spirituality sometimes like, well, I've got a nice personal relationship. You don't have to see that ever come out in my life, but I have a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling about God, and that, that's, that's what matters, right? But how is that relationship being visible? Can anybody actually tell that your life uh, is inspired to do, to do justice, to do goodness, to do peace? And that's that last part of what Paul said there in that verse seven for the common good. You are not gifted just to make yourself feel good, not to just celebrate, look at what I can do. But we are all given gifts to go contribute, to support, to benefit others, that it's not about ourselves. And so that's part of our challenge when we don't do community well, when we disappear, when we separate, when we isolate is we're losing out on more and more people who bring the Spirit of God to the benefit and to the common good of all. And so how do, we, how do we not just do things for ourselves, but for the good of all? Now Paul's going to give us a list of some gifts of how this manifestation looks in a few places. So I'm just going to read through them, and I'll pause a little bit on them. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of Wisdom. And he goes on to that one, and another, the utterance of knowledge. Some people have had the benefit of a lot of education, of a lot of skilled training, and they got a lot of knowledge. And that doesn't mean that you don't have anything to offer. You might have wisdom. You might have wisdom to figure out, how do we, what do we do with this data? And so that some people have wisdom and some people have knowledge, all according to the same spirit. To another, there's faith or trust. You know when you've ever felt uncertain, and you've felt like you're, you're wavering, and then there's somebody in your life that just models trust and faith, and inspires you, and it gives you hope, and it helps re- renew you and restore you. Some people have the gift of faith, again, by the same Spirit. To some, the gifts of healing, whether that's physical or emotional or any sort of healing, that... that things are restored and renewed and healed by their presence to some the working of miracles which I always just love as we can't explain whatever this is some people things just are unexplainable around them to others there's prophecy which we get hung up on as if it's just like future prediction language Um, but it's the ability to look at the world and see what God would say and would speak into that situation that this is injustice here God calls us to something more That can look at everyday life and say how God would speak into that situation. To some, the discernments of spirits, you can discern this is coming from a good place. I don't know if this is motivated right. There's a bad spirit around this. Moms often get thrown into this category. (laughs) The kid walks in, they just tell by their body language what's going on. Uh, Discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues and other interpretation of tongues. And this is really where Corinth is getting hung up on. And he throws it here at the end and he's got something to say about it. But uh, people in different parts of the New Testament talk about speaking in different languages or different tongues in different ways. But they're talking about some sort of spiritual prayer language, something that they're talking to God. And it's grown to be a problem where people are starting to say, unless you're doing that, you are less than. You don't have as good of a relationship with God. And so people in their services are getting distracted from Paul's point of view because they're not understanding what's going on. So he's like, okay, well, there's some people who talk, and talk differently. There's some people who can interpret things. So you might say something, you might be able to help someone understand what's happening. Different kinds of gifts. But again, the same spirit that empowers all of these gifts. And I think that's really one of the challenges that the Corinthian church is dealing with is they're deciding whose gift is better than each other's. And so, uh, you know, there are certain gifts that are more visible than others maybe. Sometimes they're more vocal, they're more loud. And we start celebrating them and elevating them, and then they become the model, and they become the thing that unless you're that, you're not as great of a church member. And I can imagine in my own life thinking about some church communities around us that would do the same kind of thing of, we're not really quite sure if you're really a Christian. You don't have that spiritual gift. And so I think we, get t- we can be tempted into the same mentality uh, that certain gifts are more important than others. But Paul levels out those spiritual gifts, that they are all empowered by the same Spirit. You're not valued by which skill you have, but the Spirit speaks through you in its own unique ways. Now, you might have encountered that we try to list those gifts as if we have a comprehensive list and we can put you in the right bubble of here's your gift. But this is not the only time Paul gives a list and he's not trying to be exhaustive. He's just speaking into a community who's got different kinds of gifts and he's using some examples. And so when he does the same kind of thing in Romans 12, he talks about... Um, some having gift of prophecy which we saw some having the gift of ministry some being teachers some being exhorters like encouraging and exhorting someone to action Uh, some being givers that are generous some being leaders some being compassionate Uh, and so he's just throwing out types of gifts and if your gift doesn't feel like it's represented here that's okay we have different kinds of gifts but the same spirit that calls us to action, to contributing, to being discipled into something new. And all of that presumed you were called to, to be a part of something, to do something, to be engaged, to be active, not to some It gave the gift of really enjoying being able to listen to everybody or like, or really enjoying being able to watch everybody of like as if just being the kind of, audience member was the gift. But these are all ways that we contribute to the common good of the community. And I think sometimes people feel that fear of, some people get it, that church is, is something that you you live out, you do, you don't just watch or observe. And they're actually afraid of that. We've got a friend who, who's, who says, I can't go to church right now because they're going to find out I've taught Sunday school classes. I've led in music, and if they hear any of that, I'm going to get roped in. They're going to put me to work, and I just don't have time for that. And so that's the excuse. I, you know, I can't do this church thing. It's going to call me into action. Like, yeah, that's actually that's part of the point of it. You know that that we are called not to just feel a certain way and feel cozy with God, but we are called to be disciples who live out what it's like to be, uh, we're doing our best to live out the image of Christ and the world around us. And Jesus lived that out by going and having meals with people, by teaching people, by healing people, not just by sitting around idly waiting to see what might help him, but by being a servant and I think about when, when Beth and I moved, you know, I talked about church shopping. When Beth and I moved to Milwaukee, we went to a church who, uh, they heard that we didn't have any family and they're like, are you okay? Do you need help? Do you, do you want us to call you? Do you, like, do you need anything? Can I help you? And we went to, to they, had, they had like a midweek Bible study on Thursdays. We went there one night. They were working through, I think, the book of Acts. We came back a second week. I showed up the second week, and the pastor, Max, turned to me and goes, do you wanna lead this? You, you would do great, just, just take it. Just ask questions. Here's the passage that we're starting at. And that's actually like what we're called to. You see someone has a gift, enable them, give them opportunities to use their skills and their gifts. And that means that each of us have gifts that we have something that we should be invited into or we can use our skills, use our talents for God, and that that's what we're hoping for, not just to show up, just to, to take it in, but to be a part of it. And I have to say that that's one of the things that I absolutely loved a few weeks back with Rally Day, showing up to church and seeing like, like a swarm of bees going everywhere, doing all sorts of great work of making food and setting up booths and, and and all of that was going on like helping set up communion elements and practicing music and like there were so many people at work and that's beautiful to see because we're not just here to sit we're here to be involved to be engaged to be active and we need more of those kinds of moments where people feel like their gifts their skills matter that they are contributing and so I hope that that each of us that are here, we have spaces that you feel like you're able to use some of your gifts, your skills that you're contributing, and I hope that you don't just have a space to do it, but that you realize how it benefits the common good. Like we don't just do it just to do it, but like how, how, are, how is our singing helping transform people's lives? You, know, you might be singing a song that someone else heard at a funeral for, their, for a loved one. And like, you're just singing the song, and you don't, maybe you're not feeling it that day, but someone is in the room moved to tears. Someone is taken back in time to something meaningful. You know, that you might not think, you know, every week you got a great handshake and smile from Kenyon at the door. You might not think greeting's that big of a deal, but who knows if someone's gotten a smile and a handshake and that they feel welcome in our space is so important. And everything that we do, it matters. And, and how do we help ourselves understand how it contributes to the common good? And I do want to pause to note, we do have particular gifts and skills. And if you feel burnout because you're like, man, I just don't think I fit in this thing, it is perfectly good and okay to say, I think I have a different gift or skill. Like maybe I should be in something else. Uh, that, that's actually a nice wisdom and humility of like actually I think I could contribute in this other kind of way and so sometimes we get locked into something like well I just do it because I got to do it but we will we will be at our best when the spirit is moving in people and gifting people and we're enabling them to use those gifts to transform lives I want to tell a story there's a pastor named Mike Mather who was a pastor in South Bend don't hold that against him He's a pastor in South Bend. He showed up to a church. There's about 40 people in the church, uh, but they were involved in their community. They had a pantry, so they supported the neighborhood. And he was trying to figure out, how do we help make a difference in this community? And they're struggling, and, and people are tragically dying, and he's realizing, I can't do this by myself. I'm not here to help the poor. I'm here to find out how to help, the, help everyone in our community help each other. Like, i got to empower people to make a difference. I can't just be the, the savior figure. And so what he did was he realized they kept asking every person that came through their pantry the same um, state-required kind of questions. How much money do you take in? How much expenses do you have? And as a church, they couldn't do anything with that data. Like, what does that mean to me? I can't help with that. So it would just get filed away, and they're like, we got to ask something else. We can't just ask that. So they made actually like a really exhaustive form, like 10 pages of questions for people of what are you good at kinds of questions of can you fix a toaster? Can, have you ever helped take care of somebody? And all these kinds of questions. But it came down to three big questions at the end that was their, their big ones. What three things do you do well enough that you could teach somebody else how to do it? What do you, what do you know how to do well enough that you could teach someone else how to do it? What three things would you like to learn that you don't already know? And who's on that journey with you? Because you can learn a lot of like, who's that support person? Who's that person that matters in their life that's on that journey? And what they learned quickly was that their community had gifts and had skills. They might not have had money. And so one of the people that they met, her name was Adele, I would say her last name but I would mess it up so I'm not going to do that for her. But she lived a half a block from the church and she told them that she was a good cook and they said, prove it. And so staff had a lunch on a Friday and said, would you just make us a meal? We'll pay you for it. And it was great. And they said, okay, okay. So next thing you know, they are having a neighborhood association in their space. Hey, would you cook for that neighborhood association? And then it's a parent-teacher meeting at a school nearby and an open house event. And, and then suddenly the Chamber of Converse comes in and says, hey, we want to use your space. We've got 70 or 80 people. Um, and we'd like to use your kitchen. And they said, okay, but you've got to use our caterer. And they made a bunch of business cards for Adele and gave them out to all these clients. And then within a year and a half, she opened up a restaurant, Adelita's Fajitas, And they helped empower this person who would have never been able to make a restaurant, but who actually was skilled and gifted at something, helped along that path, gave them the opportunity, so that suddenly they are making contributions to their neighborhood. They are feeling like they're using their gifts and their skills. They now have more resources to be a part of helping other people in the community. And a whole lot of lives were changed just because they asked, what are you good at? That, you're, that you weren't just your dollar bill like of the checking account number. Like, who are you? What are you good at? Who's on that journey with you? And so for us, we have like almost, on some weeks, 100 people that come through every Thursday at personal care. And we've got apartments going up across the street. And we've got all these people. And instead of always wondering, well, I wonder how much money they have, how do we ask, what has God gifted them with? How are, they, how are they able to contribute that they might have something to offer, they might have gifts to give that aren't just money? And how might God use those people to make a difference in our community? And so how are we helping activate opportunities for them to have that spiritual moment uh, to use their gifts and I hope that in this room, you'd ask yourself, what are three things that you can do so well you could teach somebody else to do it? Because our calling isn't just in these walls, your daily life, your jobs, your, your uh, uh, retirements, your, your schoolwork, whatever it is. God has gifted you to be uh, examples, models, missionaries into that space. What are you so good at, you could teach someone, how can you use those gifts, those skills, to influence others? Now, it's not only that, how can we use our gifts, but how can we invite other people to use their gifts as well? So, be in mind, while you're in the midst of looking for how to use your gifts, to keep an eye out for that little talent that that person might not even notice in themselves, and to invite them into opportunities. As a church, we hope to invite everyone into being a part of this community, um, making that decision to, to partner with us, to be members, to be, to be more than just kind of in attendance, that that's a next step of, of connection and commitment and trust. Uh, but also those who are here, maybe you've never, never took and taken part in a ministry activity. Maybe you've never been on a ministry team. Maybe there's something that you feel God's moving in you about. Maybe it's just a chance to say yes to God. I I feel like God's moving me, I gotta be, I gotta use this gift. No matter what, we are called to use those gifts for the betterment of others, not just to help ourselves. And so today I also invite you to think and reflect on in what ways we still hold on to a little bit of that consumer self and what ways we can continue to embrace more and more it's about contributing to God's kingdom and being invited on that discipleship path to contribute to the justice and peace and love and restoration of all things. And so with that invitation, would you join me um, in praying to the God who, who is patient with us, um, who is generous with us even when we decide to wanna, we want to take things in for ourselves But God keeps giving, keeps being abundant in his love. Would you pray with me? God, I know there are times in my life, there are times in my present where I feel that temptation to to want to consume, to just want to take in, to just want to absorb. I know that there are people in this room who have that same temptation. Lord, you called us to follow you, and Lord, I ask that you would give us a heart to actually say yes to what you are calling us to in our lives, to say yes to um, what might feel like dangerous new things that, that we're afraid of, but, but you might be fully present there, and there might be new life in that space that I'm afraid to go out into. Lord, I pray that you would open my eyes and our eyes to see the gifts of the people not only within these walls, but the ones in our neighborhood, the ones we interact with in our daily lives. Lord, help us to be examples of you inviting those people into the mission of your kingdom. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.